0: in every challenge there's an opportunity yes and and i was like what and and what he revealed to me was the fact that there's a challenge means there's something that can fix this everything has an answer uh, but you have to slow down to be able to see it and uh and so that's something that I've, i've learned to help my clients do as well
1: you're listening to entrepreneur journeys where i share insights and strategies based on owning and managing businesses while traveling and living on three continents I also interview business owners about their journey, what they learned along the way, and how that can help you with your business growth. For more resources to accelerate your entrepreneur journey, head over to Gapologist.com, where I share resources, events, community, and more. I'm your host, Joe Matz. Let's get started. Hello, hello. I have with us today Stephen Walker of Manifest Media. He helps business owners realize, understand, and implement true change in their culture and through their branding and marketing efforts so they can start working on their business and not just in their business. Welcome to the show, Stephen.
0: Hey, Joe. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show.
1: It is a pleasure to have you here. And You know, just for our listeners, where do you hail from today?
0: I'm in Cary, North Carolina.
1: Oh, great. Hey, you're right next door to me. (laughs) Awesome. It's very rare that I have someone on the show that lives within a 10 mile radius. Mm hmm. Great. So, Stephen, I have a question for you. All right. Was there any indication? that you would own your own marketing and media firm when you were in, say, high school or junior high or college?
0: Uh, No, I've always um, been into art, even as a child. And so I knew something was going to be I was doing something around art. I had no idea it would be an advertising agency that came later. But of course, seeing on television, there were a couple of shows that had key characters that worked at a marketing firm or an advertising agency. Uh, that always interested me, you know, seeing them coming home with assignments to create new uh, commercial uh, campaigns for the various clients and various products. Uh, I would always kind of follow along and try to come up with my own ideas. And so looking back, I could see that was kind of my development, even with that thought of uh, you can you can have your talent become something that generates income like that.
1: So did you consider yourself a creative type person back then?
0: Yes, I have been a creative person since I was uh, a toddler. I've always uh, had a very active imagination. Um, and it may be because of, you know, when I was born, if you think about it, back in the 70s, uh, 80s, it was a lot of cartoons, uh, some amazing movies with special effects. Uh, and it always caught my attention. And uh, and so, yeah, I've always uh, created things, poetry, art, uh, projects. I would, It would be uh, a very... Uh, small thing for me to turn my room into my lab really quick and throw, you know, my mom had tons of tools. I was I was making so many different inventions all the time. So, yeah, that's always been a part of my, if I think about it, if I think of something, I want to create it. And so that's, that's always been a skill I had as a child. Interesting.
1: And how did it come to be that you own your own marketing? Uh, and is it correct to call it a marketing business or
0: yeah it's just well, I have a creative branding agency, so it's the same thing as marketing a marketing advertising firm. Um, the difference uh, the difference is is kind of how it came to be ahead. Um, there was a program that was helping youth with um, getting out of the the drug world and violence and all of that. and they had come they had come to our school, and the director, Steve Hickson, uh, he was speaking to a, a bunch of the kids about participating in his program. Uh, and, uh, I, I didn't trust him because any adult that would was any adult that would come around and just be friendly with kids always made me go, okay, I don't know if you can trust this guy. Uh, and then one day he came to me, he said, uh, I was talking to some of your classmates and mentioned to them that I needed a logo and they said that I should speak to you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he says, well, I'm, I'm going to pay whoever can design a logo for our organization money to design a logo for me. And so he got my attention. And I was like, OK, so what does that look like? And he was like, if you design a logo for me, I'll pay you $300. And uh, I was like 15 years old. And, and so I designed the logo for him that was approved and he paid me. And I was like, man, I can get paid for the stuff that I've been doing for free. I, I can get paid from this stuff. OK, this is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, very neat. So that was one adult you, you realized you could trust back then.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. He actually kind of put me on the path to just seeing life a little different and knowing that, you know, in the business world, there's a system that's in place and if you, if you can add value, you can get paid. Um, and, uh, and so I started just showing up differently, like, okay, well, you know, let me meet with some business owners and see what they need. And then once I started discovering their needs, I, I started getting my skills in place to help. Uh, and, and so over the 30 plus years now, there's very little that I can't do on my own. And that's another problem, but we can talk about that later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it, it, it is, it's a, it's a joy in the beginning. When you can mm-hmm. do everything on your own and, and then it becomes a burden if you don't learn to delegate and, yeah. and move some of that stuff off of your plate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Definitely. Is, would you say when, a, when an entrepreneur moves from, from a hobby to a business, do they run into that problem? Is that a common problem that they find?
0: Yeah, because I think what happens is you start to assess what is it that you really want. And so if you're a solopreneur you can control that. That's it's all on you and you kind of all the ebbs and flows are on you. But if you start to hire employees you have to take on greater responsibility. There's liability of course that comes with that and I think you know they weigh in the balance what do I what do I really want for my life? Do I want to have a company that I hire employees and I'm responsible for other people's livelihood or am I going to just continue to say a uh, solopreneur and just hire subcontractors to come in to help me on the projects that I need. Um, And it really comes down to vision. You know, what vision do you have? If you, five years from now, if you really only see yourself doing what you do, then you're going to be a true solopreneur. And there's there's nothing really wrong with that because, you know, a, a good business owner can determine whether they are a leader. And if you're a leader, you can't have a staff. But if you're not a leader, the worst thing you can do is start hiring staff. It will literally bog you down and could kill you because of the stress of hiring and firing and, employee issues and health insurance and all the things that you just don't want to do and uh so you really got to be honest with yourself uh some people are great employees and some people can't work for anyone they they have to work for themselves and uh and then others can they have a vision for greater and they they know that they can handle their lane but like you said early on they learn to delegate and they learn to hire people to take those places and then they just build from there it's like attaching legos before they know they have one employee and then now they have three and then they have 10. And so they're building it correct. But you have to be built for that. That's not something that you can force because even if you try, you end up, you end up doing things that would destroy that. Right. That,
1: that is definitely not for everyone. Years ago, I took over a restaurant as the general manager. And this came to be because the restaurant had lost their general manager their floor manager, and their kitchen manager. Oh goodness. All within a week. Yeah, they're about to go out of business. Well, the, the owners came to me and they, they basically asked, uh, hey Joe, how do you feel about not sleeping for the next three months?
0: <laughs> That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, these people were were in a position because they were good technicians. They were good at what they did, at cooking, for example, in the kitchen. They were good at kick, at cooking, at, at, at mm-hmm. running the grill, right? Mm-hmm. Running the grill, making sure the meat is medium rare and that one is, is well done and they're all timed together, et cetera, et cetera. But they weren't good managers. They weren't mm-hmm. good leaders in the kitchen. And that's what happened. And it just – there was so much pressure on them to do something that they were not built for. Right. And they all quit. They, they decided it, it was just too much pressure. It was too much on them. And they decided they, they didn't want to live that way, which was probably the right decision for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. That's the reality is, you know, work-life balance is important. If you don't figure that out early, it could kill you. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good for them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was good for them. Not so good for the restaurant. I guess it, looking back, it was good for me. It was a very exciting uh, three to six months. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lots of changes, little sleep, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So, but going back, how how do we know when someone is ready to take their business from the hobby status? And maybe we have to define what a hobby is, but how do we know they're ready to go from a hobby to a business?
0: Well, over the 30 years, one one thing that I've seen is that business can drive that. So if you're getting too much business that... Uh, that you can't handle on your own, you have to make a decision: Do I hire more contractors, or or do I build this structure, this company bigger? Do I get a bigger space and place, and 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 take on that greater responsibility? But oftentimes, well, actually, the true driver should be business. It shouldn't be I want to. I'm just going to go and do it. I just I just go buy a 3,000 square foot facility, and you know I'll staff it, and you don't have the business that can maintain it. There's no demand there. Uh, that's n- never a good way to do it. That's um, a
1: good way to go broke.
0: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and and hurt, and hurt a lot of people on the way because they're going to be joining you in your vision. Um, and that's one thing that I do within our company is, you know, vision clarity. You know, taking a look at, okay, am I at a place where I can now expand? For example, I had uh, one of my clients, she owns Brendan Hanna Herb Shop in, Rich- in Lothian, Virginia. And uh, we launched her out, did a huge media campaign. And she did great for years and then she got so much business that people from another part of town who would travel to her said, you should come over here. And so she ended up opening up in a, second, a second location and expanding that and doing great. And now she's been in business 28 years uh, because she let the business create the demand instead of her just arbitrarily going out and buying more property and hoping that it works. So
1: what, I, what I'm hearing is that when your business exceeds your capacity, then then it's time to expand but what about people who who are beginning to see the business grow and they expand in anticipation of increased
0: business now that's a unique situation i think that's at that point what you have to do is invest in the people that can help create momentum for you because if you're seeing the demand come the best thing you can do is to bring people on board whether they start out as sub subcontractors or you just make the investment, I'm going to pay them their salary every month, even though I'm not pulling any money from the company right now. I'm going to go ahead and pay them what they're worth, so they can help me bring in more business. Maybe it's a new business development specialist or a part of the um, some of the technology that you're using becomes more automated, and you hire somebody to maintain your Click Funnels or those kind of things. Um, that's when it makes sense to do that. Yeah. So so if you see it happening, it's it's kind of like uh, fishing. You know, if you go fishing, if you uh, if you throw your uh, your your um, you cast your rod out and no fish are biting, then nothing's happening. But if you cast your rod out and as soon as it hits the water something bites, and you cast out to something else bites, oh, it's time to get more rods then, or, or throw a net out there because that that is a great area to be in. I actually had that happen. My uh, my wife's cousin uh, bought land and put a pond on the land, and they put the water in and they put the fish in. They loaded it up and and so when we finally came for the housewarming. The fish had been there, I guess, for weeks, but they never fed the fish. Oh. They thought that you could just dig the pond and put the water in, and everything would work out. They had no, they actually had no, uh, no greenery around it or anything to draw bugs to it. And so when I, I came down with my kids, and I had the three rods on the, the deck, the the uh, deck they had put out there, and um, and so we dropped it over, and I just had the the uh, hooks hanging there waiting to get the worms, and I turned around, and the fish were jumping, and I, I was like, why are the fish jumping? So I just put the hooked down in the water without any bait, and they were hitting the hook because it was flashing in the water. And so we were snatching fish out of the pond, and I told them, I said, guys, you're killing your fish. They are starving. Literally, they're hitting hooks. They're not hitting bait. Um, But if you can get to a place, that's a good place to be, actually, for a business, where as soon as you start and you put out a product or service and people are just on it, you really got to get your hiring up. But you do also have to have your plan ready because growth can kill a company, right? So you have to anticipate that kind of growth. Because you got to have hiring, you got to have capacity, you got to have product, you know, all those things, you know, you got to kind of anticipate that going in, that should be a part of your business plan as you're getting your vision solidified when you're launching out.
1: And I have heard of exponential growth killing a company. Um, There was a fellow who, and and this is a story I heard a few years ago, who put, put some lockers in one of the grocery stores. And these lockers were for pick up food or order food online and things like that. And it went very well. All of a sudden, the company says, we want to deploy this nationally. Mm-hmm. And what it meant for that small business owner was millions of dollars he had to buy in lockers and installation support.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he couldn't do it. Yeah. He couldn't do it. He, he, he His business was killed trying.
0: Yeah, and so that's the that's why you have to hire like a business coach and advisors. You know when you're when you get, when you have a company because you don't know what you don't you don't know what you don't know. And I think that that was his problem. He just didn't know how to do that. It's not that there was no answer. It's just that he didn't know how to do that, and he he decided to kind of just step back, right? Um, so in that situation, if you think about it, really what it came down to is the investment he needed the capital for the contract that he had just gotten. But what he probably, if I was advising him, I was his business, his business coach, the vendor that I was already buying lockers from, I would have met with the owner. I would have showed him the contract that I got from the the client and I would have brought him in as a partner and given him a share of the company for him to put some skin in the game as well. So we could get the deal done that way. I already know he has all, he has all the products to create the, you know, what I need, but he he, he probably just needed someone to help facilitate that meeting to bring everyone together. Not only that, that manufacturer, but I'm sure there were others who would would have loved to get that contract on a national level. Right. So he could have got two or three, you know, put out an RFP and gotten two or three, you know, bids in and and, and maybe got that deal done quicker.
1: Right. That's a great example of thinking outside the box. Mm. If you can't do it by yourself, find some people to help or find Find some way to help and and certainly a business coach who can step back and look at the business from 20,000, 30,000 feet is a big advantage. I think too many business owners have their nose to the grindstone. And I learned a long time ago, the only thing you get from that is a ground up nose.
0: (laughs) That's right. Exactly right. You know, I I learned that lesson from RDU Airport uh, here where we live in North Carolina. Uh, they were an advertising client of mine, and um, and I had built a really good relationship with those, you know, the people who made the decisions over there. And uh, you know, one day when we were meeting, they mentioned they were building Terminal C, a new terminal at the airport. Hmm. Um, and uh, and so, kind of off the record, uh, one of the people I was working with, uh, I won't name who it is, but one of the people I was working with, she said, uh, "We're building out our, our Terminal C. It's going to it's going to be up by this time." We haven't put any retail uh, vendors in the spaces yet and she told me she said stephen i'll give you one of those spaces before we put anything in there you can be the first one in there you just have to bring a business concept to be able to put in there uh just let me know when you're ready to talk about it and so i went home and for weeks i thought about that thing joe i was like because you go into an airport those there's a lot of things in there that you need that, that you absolutely need and those places are valuable but I wasn't a franchisee or franchisor for anything. And I was like, well, what do I do? And it bothered me. I just could not figure out how to leverage that, that, uh, that opportunity. Uh, and so when it finally passed and years later now, I've been in the business now 30 years, but, but years later, I realized what I just told you there, I could have brought in partners who already had the products and services who were looking to expand into this market and, and set an agreement, you know, a partnership, maybe create a DBA with them to be able to do that and, and, and benefit from that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's one of the, one of the business gurus who says when you, when you're asking questions like this, don't ask how, ask who. Mm. So not yeah. how can I do this, but who can help me do this?
0: Sure. And you know, if you think about it, that's that's why a lot of my clients hire me, of course, because of my lived experience and my experience working in businesses and working with, Fortune 500 and small business owners and all that for over these 30 years, I learned a lot. But I think different than most people, because I, I if, you, if you bring people to the table that look like you and act like you, you, they're gonna give you what you already know. You have to bring people who are outside of that community to be able to come in and say, this is the challenge, what do you think? Um, and that's the value of having someone at the table in that discussion that's not a yes person, that's not on the payroll, that's not trying to protect their job or their benefits, Someone that can come in and and push back and go, have you ever thought of of it this way? This is a new direction to go in. There's a movie called um, Elf. I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Elf? The the Christmas movie? The Christmas movie. Yes, of course. So there's there's one thing that was a catalyst to me just relaunching because I started like 30 years ago. Uh, But uh, but then I ended up getting jobs with broadcast companies in between time. But um, watching that movie, seeing that they had the guy that came in that had the notebook. And the, he was the idea guy. And he did work for the company. They hired him as a consultant. And he would come in and throw out these ideas, right? And like wherever, whatever they needed, he had an idea for it. He was just turning out ideas. And I was like, wow, I've been doing that my whole life. I would love to do that as a job. If that was my job, if people could hire me just to come into their meetings, whether they're launching a new product, they're trying to rebrand and relaunch, whether they have a new service that they want to bring to the market, and they just kind of share where they were or where they're stuck or where maybe some gaps are and just have me to sit there and listen and just start to ideate. Man, that's my gift, man. I can create, as soon as I hear a challenge, my, everything from my experiences to my skill sets to my talent, start clicking. I start seeing the possibilities uh, and, and share that. That's why a lot of my clients call me Mr. Brand Marketing, because as soon as I sit down and talk with you, ideas will start flowing. Hmm.
1: That's so important. And, you know, we, not everyone has an unlimited uh, well of ideas. And even if we do, you know, so often they are encapsulated within our own experiences and perception. And we can't get out of that. That's why they talk about thinking outside the box
0: where some people don't even realize they're in a box. Right. For me, there is no box. There's no box. box. (laughs) What (laughs) box? Who created a box? That's someone that's limiting you. Right. So there is no box. There's nothing but possibilities. When you look at, you know, I was listening about listening to Ford, uh, um, uh, audio thing on forward, and and when he first started, he wanted to create, I think it was a six-cylinder engine, um, and he he told his people, you know, get to work on that, and they couldn't do it. I mean, they, they failed and failed again a hundred times, and a thousand times, and they came back, and it was like, we can't create what you're looking for, and he said, it doesn't matter. Keep going. I want it. Keep going until you get it. It took 10,000 tries, huh. but they were able to create it. And in that story is that you have to believe in what you're you're going to do in terms of your company. What is your vision? You have to believe that what you're creating is going to be beneficial to other people. And you have to believe in the people that are doing the work, not go in and micromanage. You have to give them the tasks and know that you hired the right people, but set them free enough so that they can experiment and figure it out even though they're going to make mistakes. That's a part of learning, right? And if you can have an environment that's creative like that where people are free to make mistakes, to attain your goals you can do the unimaginable i mean that's what's been happening ever since you know the, the invention of the internet well it's been happening way before then but the internet really shows you this kind of explosive growth and creative thinking and how do you change the way business is done and i mean you just think about how computers were invented and how you know how we use them today when they were first created no one thought it would be worth it would be worth anything there's a there's a movie called the pirates of silicon valley have you seen that I have not oh my gosh you have to see it it tells you the story of how we have computers today. It's the, st- the story of Steve Jobs and Steve Kovac, uh, who invented the first you know desktop computer, and Bill Gates when they first met him. Oh, my gosh. Just to see that movie shows you how those two visionary leaders were moving at the same time. And it's just, you know, it, it's, it, it, it was going to happen on the Earth. They were moving at the same time, uh, in the same direction, and their paths cross, and the day their paths cross, was at an expo where steve jobs was showing this new instead of it being rooms of uh of, of machines making up one computer it's this one thing sitting on the desk and you can have it in your house right um and so it, he was showing it at an expo bill gates was wondering why other people weren't looking for the DOS programs and all the stuff that they normally worked on everyone was over at steve's booth so he came in and wondering you know why this crowd was over here talking to this guy he didn't know him and he walks up and he's hearing him talk about this thing and and instantly, Bill Gates knew, he says, this is going to be the future. Hmm. So he cuts through and he goes, he walks up to, this is the way the movie shows it. He walks up to Steve Jobs and he interrupts him. He's like, hey, my name is Bill Gates. And he puts out his hand to shake his hand. And then uh, he turns and look at looks at him like, like, who are you? Like, nerd? Like, get out of my way. I'm talking to my people over here. So he turns his back and keeps talking. And the, the, the camera zooms in on Bill Gates' face. And you can see it. Bill says, I'm going to take everything you own. Want to take it all, and you can see over the story how they kept, you know, the, the. I'm not going to go through the whole movie, but you can see how those two visionary leaders unleashed their people to create fresh and new ideas, that has now been a catalyst for a lot of us who own businesses based on the internet, based on technology. Sure. They came out of that.
1: Sure. You know, one thing I see happening, and and I just downloaded this morning a list of nine thousand, just slightly over nine thousand. Companies that are working with AI and they all have specific AI tools, mm-hmm. very specific tools, 9,000 yeah. of them.
0: You, I wonder. You, but I would, I'm gonna make a prediction. Go ahead. You, you were about to say something. I,
1: yeah, I, well, I wonder how many will be around in a year from now.
0: Okay, that was my prediction. You know, first you have explosion, then you have consolidation, right? So the explosion is happening right now. Everybody's jumping in on it, everybody wants to be a part of it, everybody's integrating it, trying to figure it out. But what's gonna happen is it's gonna be consumer fatigue. There's a point where AI will be so prevalent everywhere doing so much that you, it will bother you because that means you have to learn how to use AI in all these different places. There'll be a company that's gonna bring, instead of it being you know, 50 companies that do these things, they're gonna take those 50 things and combine them into one platform where AI will take care of those 50 things for you. Instead of you having to interact with all these different programs, because right now you're having to buy prescriptions for all these different companies. They they have their own websites. That means you have to have more manpower or more time. And we're already time star. Yeah. Right. So 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 you only can use so many different apps and, and, and things like that. So the those who are brave and at the cutting edge of AI already know that their next the next move for AI is to consolidate it to make it easier to inter- the interface with the uh, consumer. That, and then that client will pay you because you're saving them time and frustration. And money, so right? That's, that be, right. And right. I
1: looked at that list, and I'm thinking, man, I know AI saves me time. I do use it to save time, um, but if I have to learn nine thousand programs, there's no t- there's no saving of time there. There's there's, there's, there's you, pulling you, out the hair
0: and going crazy time. Even with that, if you think about that, that's the opportunity again, right? Because you're experiencing that as a business owner, and imagine how many other business owners and companies corporations around the world are dealing with that issue, right? So if you and I had a product that we were launching where they got that same list of all of those AI, and but our company has brought, created an AI that that's, that makes it easier to use and simpler to use for all the different things, then more com- companies would buy our program be- because of the shortcut them having to deal with all the rest of those. So, uh, But those are the opportunities when you see challenges like that, there's always an answer. Matter of fact, that's one thing that, uh, Um, As I was in prayer one day, I was talking to God about challenges, because I hate challenges. No one really likes challenges. And one thing that he revealed to me was... Would you like to get in front of more of your ideal clients
1: and at the same time build your brand and create evergreen content? Well, you can do that with podcast guesting. This very moment, you're listening to a podcast that may have been published today or three weeks ago or three years ago. In a very real sense... You're engaging with the speakers, hopefully enjoying yourself and learning something new at the same time. And you're getting to know the guests and how they help their clients, their customers, and the problems that they solve. You may even be their ideal client and want to learn more about them and download one of their free resources you can find in the show notes, or maybe even become a client of theirs. See, when you're a guest on a podcast, you will enjoy that same kind of engagement. It is perhaps the easiest, most cost-effective way to get in front of new audiences. Learn how you can be a guest on the right podcast and engage with your ideal clients with the free resources available
0: at Gapologist.com. In every challenge, there's an opportunity. Yes. And and I was like, what? And what he revealed to me was the fact that there's a challenge means there's something that can fix this. Everything has an answer. Uh, but you have to slow down to be able to see it, and uh, and so that's something that I've, I've learned to help my clients do as well. Helping them bring their vision to pass is what kind of what we do.
1: I really like that. In in every challenge, there is an opportunity, because we're all looking for to make life easier, to have more fun, to have more time, to do what we want to do, to make more money in less time. And if there's a challenge that is sapping your resources and let's, let's just, you know, time and money. If There's a challenge that's sapping that there's got to be a solution to
0: solve it. to be, Absolutely. There's got to be a solution. I think what happens is business owners get so busy uh, working in their company that they can't see that. We talked about that earlier, working in and out and on, right? right? That's kind of become like ish now, but the, it's a true thing that you can't see anything because you're inside of it. You know, and, and and until you're able to get free enough to. Matter of fact, this is what happens. If you take a business owner that's able to step away from their company to take a vacation for like a month or two months somewhere and and enjoy a, kind of a break. Um, when they finally come back and see their company, it's like an aha moment for them. They finally can see what they actually have. But while they're there, they cannot experience it. That's why that that show, um, Undercover Boss, is so amazing, because they get so high up in making in generating revenue and making you know, great products and services and, and impact in the world that they're living in these ivory towers, but they never come back down through the organization to see what's holding them up. And so, the moment they do, they come back down to the, the foundational levels of their company and they talk with those who are generating that revenue, those people on the front line, and they see their experience. They realize where they're falling short, and most of them it brings them to tears that their company on the top and you know and from the stocks and the boardroom, all that looks great. All my executives will give me great reports and the trends are up and that's all great. But then when you talk to your people, you you realize how they're being treated or how they're not really operating according to your your company's principles and laws and bylaws and whatever, you know, uh, employee handbook you handed out, they're not following everything in the handbook. And it's scary. It's like this, it's like it's being eroded from the bottom. And unless you come down and see it, you won't know why in five years your company just crashes. It's because it had a cancer growing and you didn't deal with it. Right. So to me,
1: this seems very logical. And this is what I've always done when I've had businesses where I've, I've had employees and colleagues and partners. I've always gone to, to the ground level. Um, and I worked there. When I owned a language school and I had teachers working for me, I still kept clients or, or customers, students. And I also went to visit other lessons where my teachers were teaching and talk with the students. It seems very natural to me, and and I think it does to you too from, from what you've said, but it doesn't seem like it's common knowledge. It doesn't seem like it's natural for folks who, let's say in their ivory towers, to come down and see what's happening um, on the front lines.
0: It's true, and it's because you and I are nurturers, right? So we care about even the smallest parts of our organization and what we're doing. We care about how that impacts those that we're touching other business owners are what's called pioneers they are forging ahead they're out front they're not even thinking about what's behind them because they're hoping everything behind them works out but they're cutting down the trees in front of them creating new land and you know attacking new things for their company they're trying to form greater partnerships and get bigger investments and so they're forging ahead they're pioneers they're on their own they're out there fighting at the tip of the sword right uh and that's when that happens when you have leadership that is, uh, they're not intentional, they're they are really accidental in the way they manage, that they're only doing their part. And a lot of what happen—what happens is when you have a pioneer driving an organization, you know, they got it to where it's at on their own, and they've been pulling everyone forward. They hire a support staff to help them on the executive level, you know, the C-suite. Uh, and those people are like them. they are They're forging ahead. And when you have an organization that is not connecting on every level below you, and, and there's, there's another kind of person called a connector. When I mean, you don't have managers and supervisors that are connectors, which means they care about the employees and they care about the employees hitting the goals. So they're up and down. They're watching on both sides. When you don't have the connectors, there's, what happens is you create an environment that is harmful to the employees and is one that's a toxic culture. Uh, and unfortunately, you have managers that at that point start, start realizing, I need to do with what, what the uh, parent is ahead of me on, you know, on top, the executives on top are asking, despite what happens to my employees, because I need to keep my job, right? So I'm no longer fighting for my employees. I'm fighting just to keep my job. I got kids in college and need health insurance and, you know, all those things. And and so the the, the organization begins to fracture because the, your best employees start leaving because they're no longer appreciated. There's no innovation coming out because they can't get through that line. You know, the, because at the top, there's no longer a question of how do we be better? How do we do a, a better job? How do we increase increase productivity? You know, through our people, right? It's we need to hit this number no matter what. The revenue is the most important, and we there's there's metrics that we have to hit, get those numbers, and so it just trickles on down, and people realize you don't really care about me or my family. Matter of fact, you don't even know my name. You, right. you know you you treat me like I'm just you know another number, and so your best of people, for example, when I was working with one of the companies, broadcast companies, um, we went in two thousand eight. We had a recession. Well, I had been. I came to that company, and uh, I was a salesperson. Uh, they had a, they had uh, thousands of salespeople across the nation. They had a competition. I was the number six seller in the nation. I got promoted to local sales manager. Within that same year, because of the work that my staff and I did, I got promoted to general sales manager by the end of that year. So my, I mean, I was president's club winner and like all of that stuff. Then the recession hit. So I was general sales manager for like three years. We were hitting our numbers, millions of dollars every year. We were hitting our numbers. Our people were just doing great and making impact in the community with events and, and everything that we were doing uh, and advertising uh, that was working. And so when the recession hit, corporate said we have to let some people, we have to lay some people off. The, and the quickest way to, the, the, you know, most corporations look at it is the quickest way to, to 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 save the most money is to hire those you're paying, you know, fire those you're paying the most you know, the most, and so they came down in every market and the managers were the first to get let go. Not the underperforming salespeople, Hmm. the managers who had been driving the revenue for years. And so when they let me go, it was a thought that I had after I got let go and and, uh, when I got laid off, and I got a severance package and everything, which was great. But my thought was, that's so short-sighted as a corporation how do you let go one of your highest performing individual salespeople who you promoted to management instead of saying, OK, he's valuable. And why don't we let go of these three underperforming salespeople and give him that list to keep him in our organization so that he can help turn this thing around for us and recover that revenue and give me the option of you will no longer be general sales manager. You'll be a senior marketing manager and we'll have a list ready for you if you want that. So you can pick the severance or you can stay with us and this is how we're going to take care of you. Like one of the, but it's never that it's, we're just gonna fire a bunch of managers all the way across the board uh, and and not try to figure out how to keep your best people in place to help you for your future. Right. And now they are hurting. They are severely hurting because they went from 20 sellers in this market. It was a $20 million market down to five sellers. Now they're, and this is since 2008. Now they're down to five sellers. So you can imagine what the revenue looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's and I've seen that also. I've seen where a company needed to to cut costs. They had hundred and thirty locations across the U.S. They fired the most recent employee in each location. Sometimes the most recent two employees, mm-hmm. but sometimes those new employees were the most productive. Yeah. But you know, my understanding was, um, Stephen, they had to do that because of HR. And they might be, um, they might. It might be found that they were uh, favoring some employees over others, and so to avoid that issue and and be quick about it, I guess was one objective. Also, just fire everybody. Most recent fire in each location. Just go. Right. We don't care about volume, about productivity, about anything. Right.
0: Exactly. So instead of taking the thought, okay, this is the challenge we're about to face, let's. Let's have a discussion throughout our organization on how do we not fire anyone? What do we? How can we change the way we're paying out? For example, if they said, well, you're going to get less commission so we can keep more of a sales staff and not fire you. So so your commission structure is going to shift for this time period, but we're all going to bear the responsibility of getting the whole company back up. That would have been a better approach because it shows that you care about your people and you're trying to figure that out. But just kind of the knee jerk reaction just to fire people uh, in those kind of times, it's, it's challenging and it's hard. It destroys a lot of families and people. Yeah,
1: and and I think yeah. it was a knee jerk reaction. Knowing what I know about this company, the um, g- junior managers, senior managers, the VPs, they they didn't openly talk about what was going on because mm-hmm. it was looked at as being negative. You're being negative. You're bringing up problems. We are forging ahead. Like you said, chopping down the trees. We're forging ahead. We don't want to hear about the problems until they had to do something really
0: quick. And that's the thing that I I love coming into companies, talking to the owners and the C-suite to determine, okay, what's the strategy here? Like this is where our challenge is. What's the strategy? What's our next play? Because if you think about it, every challenge, there's an opportunity, right? So What is our opportunity if the owner and this is this is true if the owner cares about their employees like it hurts them that they have to fire someone those are the most likely ones to hire someone like me to come in the other ones are all they're all corporate as long as they keep their job and you know their golden parachutes in place I'm good we're just gonna do what we have to do Um, of course the larger the organization the harder it is to move it and change things but the reality is if you can come to a place where you can have a discussion around okay these are our challenges financially how do we increase productivity? Because that's an answer. How do we increase productivity? How do we generate more sales off our existing client base? That's another answer because you're increasing revenue. How do we diversify? What what can we do to increase revenue from a diversification standpoint? Number four is how do we partner? Where well, does it make sense to partner with other organizations or companies that we can share our consumer our consumer base so that we we're now generating revenue from an existing uh, database from someone who's not our competitor, but they're a compliment to our company. Right. So like all of those are answers, but unless you have someone that can come in and help you think through those things, you know, it's, it's up to you. And, and a lot of times we make mistakes that hurt us in the long run. That's right. And it, it's good to
1: have someone with the experience on the team. And oftentimes that is a business coach or a business consultant mm-hmm. that can come in and has the experience because they've they've traveled that path before.
0: Sure. Yeah, and it's a scary thing i you know owners that's another reason why a lot of people don't actually get a company where they launch a business because it is scary to have the responsibility of employees and to have uh to know that you are legally responsible for things being done correctly and in those situations it's it's heartbreaking to know that you could hit a downturn you know the you know the stock market market fluctuates right and every what eight to nine ten years we have you know a downturn in the market right and so you know, I don't want to call it a recession, but every now and then, you know, you're going to hit a spot like that in business. How do you anticipate that, prepare for that? How do you uh, how do you come out of that stronger and not, you know, a company that's ready to just fold in the midst of that? That's challenging. But that's why you have people to come to help support you in those times and, and create those plans to, uh, to to. And this is the other thing I would say. If you're a business owner, and you're watching this. The best thing that you can do is empower your employees. Don't try to figure the answers out share with your employees exactly where you are and have them give you the ideas. That's, that's, you want to share the weight. And once you do that, they feel more empowered. They feel like you care. They can generate ideas that you can't because they have different lived experiences and different perspectives. And then as a group, you can have, if you're in multiple markets, you can have Chicago in competition with Miami, like whoever comes up with the best idea gets bonuses and, and it can be like a fun thing that you do and everyone's active, but their mindset is we're saving our company. We're not I'm saving my job, it's no, we're together. We're one family, multiple locations. We're all fighting to save our company and we can do it together. We're better together. That's what I always say. Right,
1: yes, of course. And that's, you know, when you're talking about that, you bring to mind uh, masterminds, brainstorming sessions, where you get people from different backgrounds and different perspectives to throw out ideas and to offer suggestions. And oftentimes what, what happens is suggestions and, and ideas and, and new directions come up that never would have come up if if the owner had just consulted the space between their ears.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, uh, I kind of learned that from one of the, the broadcast companies that I work with. Um, we were, it was, a, it was in fourth quarter, there was a, a certain revenue goal that they, they wanted to hit. Um, and the idea that they came up with was they went to the top sellers, it was me and two other people, and they said, this is the number that we're trying to hit. Now, we divide it in, in three parts. This is would be your goal. Do you think you could get that generate that amount of uh, revenue in the next two weeks? Um, and, uh, and I was like, absolutely, because I believe anything is possible. So I was like, absolutely, right? But what do I get out of that? And they said, that's the thing. We want you to tell us what you want for hitting that goal. Huh. Now, I want you to th- think about that. Not this is what we're going to give you. It's you tell us what you want for that goal. So I met with the other two sellers and sat down and I said, okay, so this is the way we need to structure this. We need to put it in a tiered system based on the revenue that we're hitting. Not just say this is the one thing I want, but we need to tell them all of the things we want for hitting each part of the goal and then present it back to them. And I said, now ask them for more than you want because, of course, they're going to make adjustments. Joe, it was amazing. The things I asked them for, I said, that's a a hefty number, and they need to hit it. It's not even optional. They need to hit that for our market. So I said, well, I'm I'm willing to step up and put forth the work to make that happen on my end. And these are the things that I want. They gave me what I asked for, and it blew my mind. I hit my number, they gave me what I asked for, but it, it and this again this is the one thing that I bring to other companies is, they saw it from my, my standpoint. They didn't say, like most sales managers and sales organizations would go, everyone get to work, we gotta hit these numbers, you guys aren't working hard enough, hit your numbers, we're gonna check in every day, we're gonna have meetings every day. That's not what they did. They gave us the freedom and flexibility to attain the goal based on our own desire to get the prizes we wanted. And so every day when I came to work, it wasn't I need to make money for them. It's I, It was vacation for my family. I need this cash bonus. I need these products. Like the thing is, it was my Christmas list. And uh, and they gave me what I asked for. And uh, we all hit our numbers. It was amazing.
1: Yeah. The, the, it's amazing what you
0: do when you let your people go free to do what they can do.
1: That's right. And the power of motivation, when, when you got the opportunity to – to set the goal, figure out how you're going to reach that goal, and design your own rewards, that's absolutely amazing. That's a
0: system right there.
1: That alone would, I think it would would stimulate parts of the brain that normally wouldn't be stimulated when people are telling you what to do and what you're going to get when
0: you do that. Exactly right. Well, so I I tell you one thing that I love doing, I did this with another broadcast company that I was working for, when I got promoted to uh, management, um, so we had uh, tons of sellers, and we needed to hit this this four quarter number. And I got I must have saw this on television. I think I may have seen it on television, but they took a very small amount of money and they created a prize uh, a prize system uh, for for hitting certain revenue goals, right? So so what I so what I told this organization, I said, "Give me ten thousand dollars. Let me go and buy all the things that I need to buy." and we're gonna put them in 20 folders. And when they hit their revenue goals, they can pick any folder they want to get the prize that's on the inside. So I made it like this, it's called gamification, right? So I created this, this concept for them. And um, you, every week, instead of having a boring, just drawn out sales meeting where you're getting beat up because you're not hitting your numbers, but those weeks we did that promotion, every salesperson was excited to come in the room. It was They were excited to see who won. They were excited to see what was in the folders because I kept what was in the folder a secret. You only could pick the color, Oh. right? Yes. So I kept what was in the folder, but it was over ten thousand dollars worth of prizes. I mean, it was digital cameras and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, and so um, every time they got a folder and opened it and said, "This is what," and, you know, I had a picture of what it was on the when they took it out. They could see the picture of what what they won, and the people could see it. It built momentum. Yeah. It built excitement and it built believability. Those people who had been inactive for a long time in sales and were just coasting because they were, you know, used to doing that, got motivated because they wanted some prizes. They wanted either to be recognized. They wanted the prizes or the cash. Uh, and so the whole staff got lifted during that time, and they were excited to work for that company because the company was doing something in a different way that helped them to increase productivity.
1: Yeah, that's great. I mean, they're. It's, it must be so motivating sitting in a group of people and seeing people who have won prizes knowing that next week could be your turn. Mm-hmm. And you've yeah. just got to stretch. You've got to reach. You might have to get outside your comfort zone, but you can reach that level because you're watching other people do it. And the belief just increases in the whole boat. Like you said, rising tide
0: rises all ships. ships. That's right. So one of the things that I, I wanted to combat was um, car reluctance. You know, salespeople get burnt out. They don't want to keep calling a bunch of people. Car reluctance is a horrible thing. So the way you, com- you combat that is, you know, with your existing, just through your existing relationships with the sales you made not only this year, but over the last three or four years, the ability to go, okay, I can call them back and create a solution, a marketing solution for them right now during this time period, this small window. And I can call in some favors. I can call up Joe. Like Joe, look, I'm in the competition. I need five thousand dollars. I'm going to give you this package. I'm going to give you the package plus bonuses. But I need a five thousand dollar sale in order to get this bonus when, for next week. And you're like Steven, I was about to spend ten grand in the market anyway. So if you will do that for me, I'll give you ten grand. Hmm. Right? It, it gives them a reason to call. It gives them a reason to reconnect and, and and build on relationships. But it also helps them be in a position to give something to their clients that they need. It reminds them, well, I should definitely give you a call. Imagine, had I not had any motivation, you'd have bought you spent that 10000 dollars with the competition, and I would step back like, well, my clients don't want to buy. Nobody wants to buy. I'm sorry. I I don't know what to tell you. But see, and that that is because of car reluctance, right? But right. well, I had gotten when I got to another company, one of the first things I did, and I love teaching sales managers this, this concept. When I got to the company, the first thing I did was I looked at all the folders for past clients that had been set aside and had dust on them. Like there was like a whole room in file cabinets with past clients from the last three or four years. Joe, so I call. I started calling these people up like, Hey, my name is Stephen Walker. I just started working for this company. I noticed you advertised a few years ago. How's the business going? Do you need help now? One of my first sales was a ski, uh, a place that sold ski equipment and, uh, in Raleigh, no, in, uh, yeah, it was in Richmond. It was in Richmond, Richmond, Virginia. And, um, when I walked through the door, they was like, we haven't seen a rep in years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. they 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 knew the company they knew the product they listened to the station all of the work was done for me all i had to do was say hey we're still here are you ready to get back into marketing and standing out in the marketplace um and so the just the those little ideas are things i think that you know a lot of companies just need help with to remind them of the basics and kind of get people back into managers and sellers back on the same page to do what they need to do
1: yeah sometimes it's just getting back to the basics dusting off those files making those calls Yeah. yeah Well, Stephen, we have come to the part of this podcast that I like to call the lightning round. oh okay. <laughs> Are ready. you ready? I
0: watched your podcast, so I knew this was coming. I'm
1: ready. <laughs> All right, my friend, here we go. How has your entrepreneurial journey transformed you?
0: Great question. Uh, it has made me tougher. Tougher? It, yes, it has made me realize that if... if Anything is worth doing is worth fighting for. Um, and and I've seen you see people who are successful in companies, but you don't know their journey, their entrepreneur journey, right? You don't know that until you sit down and you talk with them. And in my business as a marketer, I'm privileged to be able to sit down with owners and CEOs and C-suite executives to kind of hear their story and their journey. And you you hear the same story over and over again. You know, it wasn't easy. It was challenging. They brought people to help them with their challenges. They were open to more information, to change some things they were doing wrong. They didn't know what they didn't know. Uh, and, and so there's a value to being able to be uh, open and teachable. And as as a business owner, I learned to incorporate that into my own business. Like, okay, I need to get back to basics. I need to stay connected to the community. I need to network and stay a part of other people's communities and network. I need to also look at my products and services and see what value I'm bringing. Am I creating the same widget as the person next to you know, beside me? Right. And, and I need to make sure that my pricing structure is the way, you know, is the best um, fit for my clients, not just this is what I'm charging. Right. So, you know, supply and demand is important. So I learned all of that through experiences of my my uh, my clients uh, over the years. And so when I started my own company, I just had to create a company that 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 gave more value than I. Than I charge and I think that's when you win is when you're hmm. over delivering and you're under promising so that's how it, it really changed me
1: yeah yeah great okay what most surprised you as a business owner
0: that um you can't keep running at full speed I thought that once you started it would just kind of grows because you kind of feel like you have some knowledge behind you so you you're you're, you're growing and you're go- as you're going uh, but if you don't keep putting things in place to help you create momentum uh, and stability. You can find yourself one day at a standstill wondering what's happening. I'm no longer motivated. I'm no longer passionate about what I'm doing. I don't even know where I'm at. Um, And you might even be making money, but you're no longer satisfied. Um, And it's because sometimes the goalpost moves a little bit and you don't know it. You, you, You actually stopped. And really what you want is ahead of you. And you just compromise. You're like, okay, I guess this is good enough. I'll just coach from here. And, and you can't do that. If you don't move, anything that's not moving is dead. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you have to continue moving and growing. Um, and and oftentimes what happens is connections, like meeting you. You're such an inspirer. And if you look at, for those who listen to the podcast, if you listen to the people that you interview, they have the same story. Their journey is a journey. They're still on it, right? Yes. So there's, there's no destination, right? <laughs> the journey, the thing that you have to, and that's the other thing that God um, really corrected my heart about, Was uh, and I was surprised about this is another good point, is that it's not the attainment of the revenue goal that you want, that's important. What's important is the journey that it takes to get there. And you have to enjoy the journey.
1: Yes, it's it's the journey that changes you. It's the journey that stimulates you and motivates you. And oftentimes someone, I mean, you get to the end of what you think is the end of your journey. Mm -hmm. And the most satisfaction after the party, right? After the champagne, then what do you do
0: That's the lowest point then what do you do
1: you, you need a new journey you need a new yeah. goal you need to keep going and and you know the u.s discovered this in in the 60s when they put a team together of of scientists and engineers and and people in technology in the 60s right uh, to get people to the moon to send mm-hmm. someone to the moon those folks experience a lot of them experience a, a type of depression after the Apollo mission had reached the moon and the astronauts were back home safe because it was such an amazing time of, of discovery and innovation and achievement. And what they found they needed to get these folks new goals, new yes. stimulating, exciting goals, or they would have remained in that state of depression.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing that I, I help my clients do as well is the loss of vision gives you a loss of purpose, right? So if you no longer have a vision, uh you there's nothing driving you nothing waking you up in the morning you lost your ability to, to have meaning and and that's horrible yeah you know we 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 have to you know i my uh, coaching side is uh purpose and power right so you have to live your life on purpose every day and and if you don't have a purpose call me contact me let's talk about it because you <laughs> actually have one we just got to dig down and get it and make it seen and visible for you that's right it's in there it's
1: in there somewhere
0: yeah, it's in there. Okay. Everybody born has a purpose, so yeah.
1: What unexpected challenge have you had to overcome?
0: I think it goes back to how we started, you know, going from a solopreneur to a business owner. um, I had had to wrestle with that. Do I really want to hire employees and do that kind of thing or would I rather be a solopreneur? And that goes back to the fact that I can do so much on my own. You know, people hire people to help them revamp, uh, relaunch their websites or create a new website for them, for example, right? And the the horror stories I get from the clients who come to me is I was working with a web design company. They took so long. It's not what I wanted. You know, and a lot of web design companies charge $10,000, $20,000 for a website design. It takes two, three months. There's all these revisions. When when my clients come to me, I will have your website up within a week. Mm -hmm. Some I have up within 48 hours. And it's exactly what you want. You know, so so knowing that is like, can I hire someone that does what I do? Because I do it. It's second nature for me. I listen to my clients' needs. I hear their vision. I see their brand so it's so easy for me just to create it rather than me to outsource it to other people and so I had to really come to a, a point where I said nope, I'm a solopreneur hmm. I will subcontract work that I need to I'll have a great team a great uh, a great group of people that I will work with like I have animators I have videographers you know I have people that ha- that can do they're better at me they're better than me at certain things so I hire those kind of people where so, my gaps are at
1: So you're almost like a general contractor of a website builder
0: exactly yeah that's, a, that's so, awesome yeah so when i when it comes to websites i do everything so i don't hire anyone to do anything on that but shooting video and, and animation that's something that i that i outsource um but, but again i think that's the value of knowing who you are as a company like who are you really i'm not i'm not trying to be anyone else you know i i'm an inventor as well so for me my goal is like what we were talking about with ai is to create shortcuts for my clients to save them time and money Maybe I'll have partners on that and that might create another company um, because I love doing that. And maybe I will be at a place where I have equity play in some companies that can't afford the ideas that I create. And we just created DBA and do it together. But still, the point is, you know, at the core of my company, Manifest Media, it's just me and I'm and I'm fine with that.
1: Yeah. Well, you've got contractors and you've got people in the gig economy that you, yep. you can
0: reach out to tons of them. And actually, I got a concept right now for mothers. There's so many single mothers, they have their kids at home and they're at home. Uh, and they're fighting, do I go back to work? Uh, because if I go go to work, all of my money is going to go into daycare and that kind of thing. And I'm like, actually, I was just you know, kind of formulating that idea this morning. It's just I'll have hire a whole group of nothing but moms at work, I mean, at work from home. And uh, and I'll just funnel business their way. And, and I'll promote it as that. You're helping mothers stay at home with their kids and, and protect their families from, you know, not having them around because right. they're at work all day.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, keep, yeah. keep me up to date on that one, Stephen. Okay, we'll do all right then. Hey, what book has made a big
0: impact on you?
1: And who would you recommend that book to?
0: I saw that question and you know what? The the one that comes to mind is Green Eggs and Ham. No, no I'm joking. Not the Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> do- <laughs> well, Dr. Seuss, that's a throwback. <laughs> Took you way back. Um no, I think uh, Think and Grow Rich. Uh that book I is you know, I keep going back over and over and over that book again um because it, it there's so many great stories in there mm. uh and i think that you know when you when you look at the best way to build um and make impact in the world is to find those who've done it before and learn from them yes. instead of learning on your own and from your own mistakes you know going big being able to go through and, and what i do is i wanted to pull it up uh i have the audio i wanted to remember the name of the company uh audible i have audible and um and so because I have Audible, I'm able to listen to it while I'm driving, listening to it in the house. I don't literally have to sit down and read the book. Like my daughter, she's very textile, so she has books. So she loves cutting books. But me, um, being able to hear um, Napoleon Hill go through the stories and hear, hear what he did and the people that he, he was able to get their stories and put them into the book, it's amazing. Man. It, it it's- is
1: amazing. And I, I love Audible because I, I will listen to Audible. I will listen to business books. Mm-hmm. But I have some pleasure books I read, too. I'm, I'm into sci-fi, for example.
0: I love sci-fi.
1: I'd rather read the sci-fi than listen to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, business books, Audible is, is great. As long as I've, I've got my voice recorder with me, so when an idea hits me, sometimes it's what they say, sometimes it's what's said in the book or, or read in the book that stimulates something inside great, of great.
0: me. Yep,
1: exactly. And I want to right. capture it. So I always have my voice recorder or my phone.
0: Sure. I was going to say, your cell phone is perfect, man. You just I have so many uh, um, audible notes that I put down in my recorder. I'm, I'm like, I need to put that up in the cloud so it's protected, you know, because you come up with some great ideas. Plus, my I have the Note 10 Plus, so I can write right on my screen, any notes at any time, because sometimes they come so fast, you might lose it if you don't get it out. Or at least that's my challenge is I, I, I'm so creative. Things just kind of flow out of me, man. That's why I write poetry and and art because it's so freeform. I can just let it out and, and flow with it. So
1: yeah, I so I used to call my my digital voice recorder. I have a, a little unit here, and oh. I used to call it my idea capture machine.
0: <laughs> that's good. Your idea capture machine. Yeah, that's. I had one and and it had tape. I had the one with the tape that you pop out. And, oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I had one of those long time ago, but thank God phones do that now. So that saves <laughs> a lot of time because yes. I always, you always have your phone with you, you know? So.
1: Right. Yeah. And if you, yeah. And there are apps that you can use mm-hmm. to record your voice because if you're driving, you really don't want to be taking notes. Right. But you can push a button and record exactly your voice. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly Last right. question,
1: Stephen. What advice would you give to aspiring entrepreneurs in your industry?
0: I would say, uh, begin with the end in mind. So don't just get started. There's a lot of people say just, just get started, get moving, just go, do what you can with what you have. No, that's no, that's not. That's horrible. That's like telling people go buy, go build your house. Just I know you don't know anything about contracting and plumbing, but start. It's important. Just no, order I mean, a bunch of wood. Order yeah. a bunch of wood and
1: some PVC tubing,
0: and you'll be fine. <laughs> It'll be beautiful when you're finished. No, I, I would say, you know, begin with the end in mind. What kind of company do you ultimately want to have? Huh. And then go backwards. Who do you know that has those kind of companies? See if you can get a meeting with them and get some, some ideas for them on how to start and what to do. So you can get some shortcuts and just take a step back and figure, are there some classes I need to take? Are there some organizations I need to uh, to, to go to? Small business administration? They have classes that will they will train you on how to start a business and 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 the kids that start a business that has longevity. You know, a lot of people start businesses and close them down. Right. So you want to be able to, to build it properly from the ground up. So you got to have a proper foundation, proper foundational understanding for your industry, for the technology, for the cost. You got to count the cost before you build the house. That's what the Bible says. Right. Uh, and so I would say that you definitely need to pull on those organizations in your city and in your area that have a mandate from the federal or state level to teach uh, the next entrepreneurs how to start businesses that last. And a lot of those classes are free and yeah. some of them are sort certif- you can get a certificate. Others will actually not only bring you to their program, but coming through their program qualifies you for funding. So then now you have a place where you have some of the capital you need to start up. And then a lot of them have resources and connections in the community that will give you a network of people who you can do business with. So. I would say begin with the end of mind. But when you start, make sure you start with the proper partners that are educating you and take your time to build your foundation. It's not a it's not a race. The race is not given to the swift or the strong, but to them that endure to the end. So take your time. Yeah, You want to
1: build something solid. And, you know, the tallest building in New York City was first the deepest hole. Wow. I didn't know that. Because you need that foundation.
0: You need the foundation. That's amazing. I'm going to have to use that, Joe.
1: I'm going to give you <laughs> credit for it, though. <laughs> all great. right. All right. Hey, so, Stephen, what what do you have for our listeners today?
0: Well, well, I, there's a lot that I'm doing. I actually I'd love to give an invitation um, to, you know, a, a webinar that I'm going to be doing at the end of September, um, September the 28th. Um, and they can go to my website, uh, ManifestMedia.com llc.com and that's not the word manifest it's christian it's m-a-n-n-a so that's mana and then fest f-e-s-t so manifest media llc.com and they can click on the banner and get right to the page but uh, what i'm doing is is a workshop of how to build your own branding and marketing strategy a lot of the companies that i'm talking with right now are there's so much clutter out there uh there's so there are people giving advice on how to run social media posts and do that Uh, But they don't have a strategy. They're just doing a lot. Uh, And it's not really getting them the result. The return on investment is not there. Um, And so I'm what what I'm doing in this webinar is I'm intentionally slowing things down and getting back to basics.
1: Get back to basics. You've got to have a strategy before you get knee deep into the tactics.
0: Yes. And so I have a um, I have a uh, on my website. I have a am am I able to share um, share the screen so you can see this? Um, not on the perfect. podcast,
1: Stephen, but no,
0: we will have links in oh, the perfect. show notes. So I was going to say, when you go to that, um, my website, you click on the banner to uh, to look at the building your branding and marketing strategy. On that page, if you scroll down, it says click this banner. You can get the seven secrets to developing your personal brand strategy, and that's free. And so the the webinar, the two-hour webinar I'm doing at the end of the month, I'm going to drill down on those seven secrets, but I'm giving them the seven secrets with some summaries there for each one of the secrets that are the basics to building your brand strategy.
1: Okay. And we'll make sure we have all of those links in the Perfect. show notes. Wonderful. Okay.
0: Very good. You're amazing, Joe. Appreciate you, man.
1: Steven, thank you. I appreciate it. Good conversation. Lots of lots of gems in that Absolutely. conversation.
0: Thank you. Great. Bye now. All right. Have a good one. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Journeys. Remember to subscribe so you catch all the episodes and check out the show notes for any free giveaways or gifts that were mentioned during this show. Entrepreneur Journeys is brought to you by Apexable, providing the insights, tools, and transformative structures to help you reach your business summit. I'm your show host, Joe Max, and until next time, I hope your journey is filled with breathtaking views and successful outcomes.